Hello, and welcome to Embassy City Church Podcast. This is a place where all people can experience the love of God through the Word of God. Our prayer is that you will be inspired and transformed. Thank you for joining us today. We are ending our series uh, today called Growth Spurt. Uh, it's been, uh, y'all, are, y'all are spoiled. How long do you want this series to go? It's the eighth week. If you haven't grown by this weekend, <laughs> refer to the podcast. Uh, uh, I really do feel like God has done some things uh, in me personally. Uh, when I'm teaching these messages, whether it's a series or a standalone message, I'm not just delivering it to you. It's coming through me and dealing with some things that are in my heart. And then I graciously give it to you. Uh, this uh, weekend, um, we're going to be in First Chronicles chapter number 29. And uh, I'm going to read the entire chapter, and you're going to deal with it. You should be used to this by now, like reading the Word of God, right? And uh, there's, there's, there's a way that David ended his life. This could, this could seriously be like a 25-week series. Um, but but there's, there's something about the way David ended his life that I think uh, we all need to understand uh, and really aspire to. And so in 1 Chronicles chapter number 29, starting at the first verse, I want to just begin reading uh, and just, I just want you to get a scope of everything David, like, like you're talking about like dropping the mic to an incredible life. That's what David did, uh, and this is what the chronicler uh, uh, writes down for us to understand about David. So let me start at the first verse, and I'll read the whole chapter. I'll do it in an interesting way so you don't fall asleep. And uh, after, I'll give you the title of the message and where we're going specifically. Is that all right? Here's what it says, starting at the first verse, 1 Chronicles chapter 29. Then King David turned to the entire assembly and said, My son Solomon, whom God has clearly chosen as the next king of Israel, is still young and inexperienced. The work ahead of him is enormous, for the temple he will build is not for mere mortals. It is for the Lord God himself. Using every resource at my command, I have gathered as much as I could for the building of the temple of my God. Now there is enough gold, silver, bronze, iron, and wood, as well as great quantities of onyx, other precious stones, costly jewels, and all kinds of fine stone and marble. And now, because of my devotion to the temple of my God, I am giving all of my own private treasures of gold and silver to help in the construction. This is in addition to the building materials I have already collected for his holy temple. I am donating, let me go slow here, more than 112 tons of gold from Ophir. Okay, you got an address for the gold. Good. And 262 tons of refined silver to be used for overlaying the walls of the building. That's just for the walls, man? And for the other gold and silver work to be done by the craftsmen. Now then, who will follow my example? <laughs> How do you, what? 
who will follow my example and give offerings to the Lord today? No pressure. But I've kind of set the bar pretty high. Then the family leaders, the leaders of the tribes of Israel, the generals and the captains of the army and the king's administrative officers all gave willingly for the construction of the temple of God. They gave about 188 tons of gold, 10,000 gold coins, 375 tons of silver, 675 tons of bronze and 3,750 tons of iron. They also contributed numerous precious stones, which were deposited in the treasury of the house of the Lord under the care of Jehael, uh, a descendant of Gershon. The people rejoiced over the offerings, they, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord, and King David was filled with joy. Then David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly. O Lord, the God of our ancestor Israel, may you be praised forever and ever. Yours, O Lord is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Everything in the heavens and on earth is yours, O Lord, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. Wealth and honor come from you alone, for you rule over everything. Power and might are in your hand, and at your discretion people are made great and given strength. Oh, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we could give anything to you? Everything we have has come from you, and we give you only what you first gave us. Talk about perspective. I'm not even giving you nothing that you didn't first give me to give you. We are here only for a moment. Visitors and strangers in the land as our ancestors were before us. Our days on earth are like a passing shadow, gone so soon without a trace. Oh, Lord, our God, even this material we have gathered to build a temple to honor your holy name comes from you. We couldn't create no trees. We didn't make this go. We just found it. Everything that we're doing for you came from you. It all belongs to you. I know, my God, that you examine our hearts and rejoice when you find integrity there. You know I have done all this with good motives, and I have watched your people offer their gifts willingly and joyously. Oh, Lord, the God of our ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, make your people always want to obey you. See to it that their love for you never changes. Give my son Solomon the wholehearted desire to obey all your commands, laws, and decrees, and to do everything necessary to build this temple for which I have made these preparations. Then David said... To the whole assembly, give praise to the Lord your God. And the entire assembly praised the Lord, the God of their ancestors, and they bowed low and knelt before the Lord and the king. The next day, (laughs) they brought 1,000 bulls, 1,000 rams, and 1,000 male lambs as burnt offerings to the Lord. You could smell that offering. That's a lot of, that's a lot of bull. (laughs) It's kind of obnoxious. You just gave in gold alone over $5 billion. 
And now you just like, you know what, bring me a thousand bulls. Oh, oh, for what? We, we just going to burn them. We, we're not going to eat them. You know, I can feed a lot of people. We're going to burn them. <laughs> they also brought liquid offerings and many other sacrifices on behalf of all Israel. They feasted and drank in the Lord's presence with great joy that day. And again, they crowned David's son Solomon as a new king. They anointed him before the Lord as their leader, and they anointed Zadok as priest. So Solomon took the throne of the Lord in place of his father David, and he succeeded in everything, and all Israel obeyed him. All the officials, the warriors, and the sons of King David pledged their loyalty to King Solomon. And the Lord exalted Solomon in the sight of all Israel, and he gave Solomon greater royal splendor than any king in Israel before him. David, son of Jesse, reigned over all Israel. He reigned over Israel for 40 years, seven of them in Hebron and 33 in Jerusalem. He died at a ripe old age, having enjoyed long life, wealth, and honor. Then his son Solomon ruled in his place. All the events of King David's reign from the beginning to the end are written in the record of Samuel the seer, the record of Nathan the prophet, and the record of Gad the seer, which not, did not make it to the scriptures because it was not canonized. Don't look for it. It doesn't matter. These accounts include the mighty deeds of his reign and everything that happened to him and to Israel and to, the and to all the surrounding kingdoms. Ladies and gentlemen, you have survived the whole chapter of 1 Chronicles 29. Give yourselves a hand. If you're writing down the topic, uh, the title of this message, uh, please write. This is the final message in this series. Leave it all behind. Leave it all behind. I don't care what you've accomplished. I don't care what you've been able to do. When it's time to transition, leave it all behind. I know you got the certificate on the wall. I know you got the DVD to prove that you really did it. I know you got the picture to prove you were actually there. But when it's time for transition, leave it all behind. Bow your heads, close your eyes. Let's pray, shall we? Holy Spirit, help us to chunk deuces. Amen. Chunk deuces is an urban colloquialism. <laughs> Which means to move on. <laughs> I want to dive right into this because we understand so much about David's life. We understand so much about his accomplishments. We understand so much of the successes. We read last week about uh, some of the failures. Uh, uh, in, in every life of every believer, there will be highs and lows. In every life of every believer, there will be things that you get right and things that you get wrong. There will be days that you feel like you are on top of the world, and you, there are days where you will feel like the entire world is on top of you. But that faith and commitment that you have in Jesus Christ never promised you uh, uh, a peaceful path. Yeah. 
It promised you he'd be present with you on the path. Giving you a perspective about what you're going through that allows you to take turbulent times in stride. At the end of your life, you get to reflect upon whatever has been good, bad, or ugly and understand that if it had not been for the Lord that was on my side, I wouldn't have been able to make it through even the most difficult times in life. If it had not been for the Lord that was on my side, I wouldn't be able to properly calibrate the most incredible times of my life. I'm so grateful for the chronicler uh, because he is able to give us a snapshot uh, into the way that David transitions from being the king of Israel, a successful king, a mighty king, a powerful king for 40 years. And I want to dive right into these points because I want you to see very, very clearly the things that David gave up, the things that David left behind. Setting up the next generation for success, not making it all about him, storing up things so that he would be able to make a rich deposit for the next generation to have a springboard into what they were supposed to do in their season. So I want to give you the three things that David left behind. The three things that David left behind. Definitely not the three left things behind him. David left three things behind him. I want you to understand exactly what those three things were. Point number one, please write this down. He left behind his resources. David left behind his resources. Let's reflect back on what it says. And now, because of my devotion to the temple of my God, I am giving all of my own private treasures of gold and silver to help in the construction. Can I pause right there? That man had a savings account. He wasn't living from check to check. He had a stewardship responsibility as king. He wasn't just thinking about his own life. He always had in mind what is best for the next generation. Do I have something to leave behind that will benefit those coming after me? He said, from my own private treasures, I'm going to give gold and silver in the help of the construction. This is in addition to the building materials I have already collected for his holy temple. Then he gives you the bank account ledger. I am donating more than 112 tons of gold from Ophir and 262 tons of refined silver to be used for overlaying the walls of the building. A little over $5 billion in gold and about $265 million in silver. He left it behind. He didn't try to take it with him. He didn't try to spend it all before he died. He literally lived his life as king with the next generation in mind. Everything that God gives to me is not for me. God's blessed me to be a blessing to others. If he only is going to give it to me, if he can get it through me. This is a principle I'm teaching my kids actively. I take them out individually about once every two weeks uh, to have breakfast. It's one of the ways that I bond with them. It's the other way that I uh, cull information out of them. <laughs> yes, I'm raising snitches. 
So what was your brother doing? <laughs> Tell me and it'll go well for you. There's more pancakes where that came from. So we go out to eat, and when we go out to eat, I ask my kids, hey, what would you like to tip the waitress? I leave the tipping to them. And uh, my son, Nate, two weeks ago, we went out to eat breakfast, and then I said, hey, what would you like to tip the waitress? And he thought about it for a minute. He was like, 50. Mm. I should have thought this through. <laughs> Supposed to be teaching them a lesson. They're teaching me a lesson. I said, $50? He was like, yeah. Do it, do it, do it, do That's literally what he did to me. <laughs> just do it, just do it, just do it. <laughs> I took him to breakfast on purpose. It's the most expense, inexpensive meal of the day. Yeah. It just turned into something different. But I asked a question, and he gave the answer. So I wrote $50 on the check. And the waitress came, and she looked. <laughs> I said, my son. And he looked at her, at her, and he was like, you're worth it. <laughs> I took Noah two days ago. <laughs> you would have thought I learned my lesson. <laughs> but once again, at the end of the meal, and I got some great information out of him. <laughs> I said, hey, how much do you want to give the waitress? And he goes, let me write it down and, I'm a, and see if you can find it. So he wrote down a number on, on where he was coloring. And, and uh, then he held up the paper. And I, my eyes couldn't focus for a minute. And then I saw the numbers one, two, three. So I was like, six? You want me to? <laughs> Is this an addition problem that you wanted me to? He said, no, Dad, $123. I said, you want me to get a waitress? $123 for some oatmeal. Some hash browns and turkey bacon? <laughs> yes! And so that waitress got $123, started crying, hugged us both, and then I said, We can't come to this restaurant. No more. <laughs> this project is over. But do you know why they were comfortable with their numbers? Because they knew their father had it. They have, they have no concept of what it takes to have $123 in discretional income to give in a tip. <laughs> I do. 
because I've set up my life not to just be a blessing to me, but to be a blessing to others. And what I want to do is model David in leaving behind for the next generation something that would take them years to accomplish themselves. Here's what David was saying by giving these resources. I don't want my son to have to start over. I do not want my children to have to start over from scratch. I am going to set them up so that they have something and a head start at that. The only thing I was able to do in my generation is put God's presence in a tent. But for this next generation, he's going to have a house. The Lord gave me the plans, but he told me my son is going to build it. And so I'm going to make sure that he doesn't have to start from scratch when he steps into the kingdom. Because of David's resources, Solomon was known as the wealthiest king in all of Israel. But he's a trust fund baby. (laughs) He didn't make it himself. His father thought about the next generation, and he left it all behind. Point number two, please write this down. David left behind his reputation. He left behind his reputation. He didn't try to keep it. He knew his season was coming to an end. So he leaves behind the reputation. Wealth and honor come from you alone, for you rule over everything. Power and might are in in your hand, and I love this, and at your discretion, people are made great and given strength. Oh, Lord, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name, but who am I? And who are my people that we could give anything to you? Everything we have has come from you, and we give you only what you first gave us. We are here only for a moment, visitors and strangers in a land, as, visitors and strangers in the land as our ancestors were before us. Our days on earth are like a passing shadow, gone so soon without a trace. He gave up his reputation because he knew it doesn't last forever. There's so many people that will not transition things, that will not leave things behind because they become so enamored with what that, that, that season of life has brought them that they never dare to believe that God has something greater for them. David goes, my season's coming to an end. But you killed Goliath. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I did. whoop de doo Life is short. I mean, I mean, I, yeah, those are my accomplishments, but, but, but I'm not living in a former glory. I accept the present for what it is now. God has me in this season of my life, and it's time to shed the things that are behind me. I need to leave it behind because it's time for me to soon go home and be with my ancestors. He leaves the reputation behind. Point number three, he leaves behind his royalty. Literally leaves it behind. Here's what it says in Scripture. Literally, he just goes, you know what? I, I, I'm giving this to Solomon. Solomon can have all of this. We're going to confer on him what has been on me. It's yours now, Solomon. You are now the king. There are not two kings. There's only one king. So once we have this service for Solomon, do not call me king anymore. 
He is the king. All of the servants now obey Solomon. All of the sons now obey Solomon. David takes off the royalty and gives it to who is next. He decreases so that someone else can increase. He steps off the platform so that somebody else can take it. He does not start telling him what to do with the season that he's going into. He fades into the background to allow Solomon to go into the forefront so that Solomon could securely lead people without David being right behind him confusing people. There is nothing worse than division. Division, slow down, it's division. It just means that there's two visions. And when you have two visions, people don't know where to go. David's like, I'm going to make it easy. Royalty is off of me. I'm not even the king. He's not king emeritus. <laughs> He's not founding king. <laughs> oh, I'm, ooh, Lord. He just was like, yeah, used to be king, not no more. Who's the king now, my son? Well, he's not doing stuff like you did it. Well, he's not me. Let the boy do what he wants to do. But king, we liked it better. I'm not king. Watch yourself. We're not going to cause division. I didn't do it with Saul. I won't do it with Solomon. Now, here's the thing. You, 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 you go through uh, David's lineage and, 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 and follow his bloodline uh, through his son, Nathan. Uh, uh, then we get to Mary. She gives birth to Jesus. The covenant promise of David's reign is that he will have a seed that will sit on the throne forever. We know that man to be Jesus. Now, here's the thing that's amazing. Jesus is just like his great, 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 grandfather. In that, he follows the same pattern for us that David did for Solomon. So I want to give you the three things that Jesus left behind, too. Jesus left behind his resources. Here's what it says in Philippians chapter 4, verse number 19. And this same God, oh, I'm sorry, and now because, wait a minute, uh, uh-oh. <laughs> My verse didn't come up, did it? Philippians 4 and 19. This is why I have a Bible. This is why I have a Bible. This is why I have a, there it is. <laughs> and this same God who cares, who takes care of me, this is Paul writing, will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Jesus left all those resources behind for us. When he came to earth, and died on the cross, what he left behind for us is his research. I'm sorry, is his resources. This is why he says in uh, Matthew chapter number six, seek first the kingdom of God. Yes, 
and his righteousness. And all these other things will be added to you. Don't worry about that. If you get the kingdom, you got everything that comes with the kingdom. But if you just try to get something in the kingdom, you'll miss the entire kingdom. So he leaves behind his resources for us. Second thing he leaves behind is his reputation. He left behind his reputation. And in his reputation, something happens. And you know what? I I apologize. I gave the wrong notes to you all. So that's on me, okay? That's not on you. It should have been Philippians 2, and I gave you Philippians 4. That's my bad. That is not your bad. So I am humbling myself right now in the middle of this message to let my tech team know you put up the scriptures I sent you, and those are not the scriptures that should have been put up. It is on me. I take full responsibility for it. You do not have to scramble back there. I have made a horrible and egregious mistake. Y'all are the greatest tech team on the planet. And I appreciate you working with me, even on days that I don't get it right. Philippians chapter number two is what I needed. And I gave you chapter number four. That's my bad. And so I'm going to give you two like I meant to. Here's what it says in, uh, and and let me go back to, uh, and let me go back to uh, point number one on his resources. Philippians chapter number two, verse number seven says this. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. He left heaven, y'all. He left heaven. Gave up all his resources. Just just left the place. God, wrapped in flesh, comes down here to be amongst those he created. Who does that? Gave up his resources. Next thing he gives up is his reputation, and that's in Philippians chapter number two. Uh, And it's in verse number six. Here's what it says. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Can you imagine being God and giving up the reputation of God to come and be in flesh to get tired, to get hungry, to get angry, to be completely bothered by all of humanity, and give up that reputation, not have a home, sleep wherever he was that day, humble himself just so he could leave something behind for us. He, he did. He left it behind. He left behind his reputation. And he left behind his royalty. Here's what it says in verses, uh, in verse number eight specifically. 
that he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Now, this part of him giving up his reputation is mind-boggling to me. Because had he called on an angel, all of them would have showed up. There was so much authority in his name that when they came to get him in the Garden of Gethsemane and they went and said, are you Jesus? He simply responded with, I am. And the earth shook and everybody hit the flow. Now, I'm just going to tell you, if I was the arresting officer on that day, <laughs> I'd have left him behind. I'd have walked away. I'd be like, you know what? I'm not sure what that was about. But I'm going to go ahead and leave. <laughs> I think this dude is special. But he gives up his reputation and he doesn't even try to use it for himself. He gives up his royalty, gives up his kingly nature. Now, up until this point, David has given up three things. Jesus has given up three things. Uh, uh, and they both died. The difference between David and Jesus is that David stayed dead. <laughs> Jesus got up. So Jesus got up and God gave him something that, that uh, uh, nobody else could have. He, he gave him, which, which is point number four under this one. Please write this down. He gave him respect. And here's what it says in Philippians chapter number two, verses nine, 10, and 11. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, let me tell you something. Uh, 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 there, there, there's a gentleman by the name of Brian Christopher Williams. Brian Christopher Williams four years ago, walked into a radio show called The Breakfast Club. And he sat down on that show, and in two minutes and 30 seconds, in a very demonstrative uh, and expletive way, uh, demanded uh, that the three hosts on that show put respect <laughs> on his name. Now, Brian Christopher Williams, he has some resources. His net worth is about $80 million. Brian Christopher Williams has a reputation. He's a music mogul. Brian Christopher Williams even has some royalties because he works in the music industry. He gets royalties on all the songs that he produced and put out. But Brian, William, Brian Christopher Williams ain't died for nobody, <laughs> nowhere. So in his heated diatribe, and demand for respect, he actually left the uh, 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 interview and had less respect than when he walked in there. Jesus didn't ask anybody for respect. He simply died, rose again, and gained respect. God gave him a name that was above all names. That at that name. Every knee shall bow 
and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. God put respect on Jesus' name. You can line up 200 Jesuses. And, they can, and you could call all of their names. But there's only going to be one of those. <laughs> there's only going to be one of those names that when you call, things change. That when you call, chains break. That when you call, miracles happen. That when you call, revival breaks out. That when you call, chains break. That when you call, things transform. Only that name has respect. Only that name deserves respect. And it can't be given from a man or a woman. It can only be given from God. God has left behind for you his riches, his glory, his everlasting love, peace, and kindness. He has left behind for you resources. He has left behind for you his reputation. You don't come into authority with your reputation. You come into authority with his reputation. He gave you his royalty, and that's why you are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. He left it behind for you. That's how we end in this series. Your final growth spirit is to understand that everything you have is because God left it behind for you. You need to pick it up. You need to embrace it. You need to hold it. You need to walk with your head up and understand that God gave you something. You're trying to gain resources. He is resources. You're trying to gain a reputation. He is the reputation. Trying to gain royalty. He is royalty. And I'm telling you, I need you to leave behind what you thought you had. And pick up everything he is. Whatever you thought was success in your life, leave it behind. See, won't he restore everything the enemy tried to take? I'm trying to, I don't know who I'm preaching to. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but I'm telling you, whatever you think you lost, if you connect to Jesus, he will give you back exceedingly, abundantly, above what you can ask or think according to the power. You got to walk out of here understanding this. You have to walk out of here confident in this. You have to walk out of here convinced of this. This is what God gave us. He left it behind for us. We left it behind for him. I left behind a lifestyle of sin for him. I left behind old thinking patterns for him. I'd rather be in a one-bedroom apartment depending on his resources, his reputation, and his royalty than to be in a 50,000-square-foot mansion 
depending on myself. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes your eight-week series on Growth Spurt. I hope you have been blessed. I love you. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. If you would like more information on our church, please go to www.embassycity.com. We would love to hear from you. Our prayer is that you have been inspired and transformed. Have a wonderful day and come back again.